Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NPM Interconnections podcast. I'm Andrew Burns, your host for this week's episode. And I'm joined today by Jack Godshall, co-founder and chief commercial officer at Jupiter Power. Uh, Jack, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Well, it's an honor to have you on, and it's going to be great to catch up after we uh, met back in October at the NPM Storage Conference in San Diego. Uh, we had you on as a keynote speaker, and it was really great to, to have you out. Um, I think that conference kind of spoke to the reality of, of 2022, where it felt like kind of a big arrival for storage in a lot of ways to a lot of uh, newer markets. And um, we're only expecting that to accelerate, I'd imagine, following the passage of the IRA. So I want to get into that and uh, how that's going to affect Jupiter Power as you guys roll through 2023 and beyond. But to kick things off, can you just kind of catch us up to speed and, and give us maybe the highlights of what Jupiter Power was up to in 2022? Because I know it was a pretty substantial year for you guys. It was. It was. Happy to. Um very big year. We brought 600 megawatt hours online down in ERCOT. So we've got the largest uh, standalone fleet of operating assets now in the ERCOT market. Uh, we closed a $175 million debt facility uh, on that portfolio, which is which is notable because it's a very straightforward traditional bank instrument, um, but applied to a new asset class and a kind of new business model. So very excited to get that done. Uh, we matured about 11 gigawatt hours of, uh, or sorry, 11 gigawatts of uh, projects in in our next markets, which are PGM, MISO, ISO, ISO New England, SPP. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting to NTP and in construction on our next wave outside of Texas. Uh, that'll happen first in California for us this year. Um, and of course, last but not least, we sold our company to BlackRock towards the end of the year. Uh, which was a big deal and has provided us with a really wonderful partner going forward uh, for the business. So all in all, a busy, busy 12 months. Awesome. Yeah. And I want to uh, follow up on, on some of those things, but I, I think the biggest probably thing for storage just to, as a whole for, for 2022 was of course the passage of the IRA. And um, I'm curious, you know, a lot of different firms we're seeing kind of get into storage off the heels of the IRA. Obviously, that's been Jupiter Power's focus from the beginning. So I'm curious from, from you know, kind of experts in the field, people that are are, are well um, versed in, in storage as it is, right, you know, pre-IRA, how is the IRA going to affect Jupiter Power's activities? And like, you know, what effect do you think uh, you guys are going to see from that as you move forward with this uh, pipeline that you were just outlining? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I, I think as a business, we were maybe a little unique in that we started with a standalone storage model, you know, many years before the IRA was a thing. Uh, so we felt pretty good about what we were doing pre-IRA. But the but the overall effect, I think, for the industry is to really dramatically accelerate the deployment and adoption of energy storage, particularly standalone storage. Of course, it's doing other things outside of just the storage industry. But for us, I mean, number one, uh, we all know this, but just to state the obvious, there's a tax credit for standalone storage, which means that you no longer need to be uh, co-located with with wind or solar to get uh, to get a tax credit. We think that's quite smart. It's going to encourage storage to be located in places where the grid needs it the most, which is principally in load centers where power is consumed. Uh, and those are places where you, you typically can't bring the generation. Um, so that's a big deal. I think secondly, and maybe talked about a little bit less uh, often is the supply chain piece of it. Uh, we're very pleased to see an emphasis on, on strengthening the domestic supply chain, something that we as a venture have kind of taken a leading position on. 
Um, and it's it's big. I mean, we built, as I mentioned, you know, we brought 600 megawatt hours online in ERCOT last year. So we're quite familiar with the supply chain uh, challenges that uh, that a lot of folks are having. So, you know, going forward, I think the IRA helps to put the, the domestic uh, manufacturing industry on a much uh, stronger footing. And then the last bit is is easing the tax equity complexity. Mm. Um, you know, this is a little bit of inside baseball unless you're in this industry, but for folks who uh, have had the the pleasure of, of negotiating complex partnership agreements in, in the wind and solar days uh, to, to harvest um, tax equity, you know, we now have a transferability provision, which which makes it much more simple to find folks who can use tax credits and enter into bilateral agreements to, to harvest those. So it'll hopefully bring down the cost of capital for the business, which is which is great for everyone. So I'm curious, I mean, is that something that you guys are exploring? The last bit there about the, you know, kind of the ability to sort of work around um, some of the tax equity challenges that, that people have seen in the past. And you mentioned it, you know, with a lot with, with solar and wind, it's certainly I think many of our uh, readers and listeners are, are well versed in, in those challenges. Is that I know that it's still kind of early days though with the with the IRA. Is is this um, is that, that that transferability something that that you guys are have engaged with, or is that something that you're kind of figuring out as you work through your pipeline? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, not my department, but I am uh, I'm very confident that our finance group is is going to um, you know. Uh, find a way to, to reduce the complexity there. I mean, I think, you know, the name of the game, this being a tax bill, there's still going to be some structuring around it. We still have to deal with the fact that these are huge, um, you know, tax credit markets that, that you know, need to exist to, to fund uh, the level of, of capital investment that we need in the renewables industry. So it's, you know, not without its complexity, but I think, we finally have, uh, you know, an angle here to to avoid a more complex partnership agreements, which kind of reduce the playing field in terms of uh, the the type of folks who could participate and also increase the cost and complexity. So, it's it's probably not a perfect solution, but um, you know, but we're we're happy to take the progress along the way. Cool. And then um, I guess uh, another thing kind of coming out of that that I'm curious about is, you know, you mentioned um, or at the top, you guys were going into a lot of new markets beyond just, just ERCOT and, and, you know, going into California this year, which also has been a, a pretty um, strong storage market anyway. And then, but, but going into some other markets as well. So like MISO and Dirk ISO and things like that. So I was curious, um, are these, were these things that you guys were already planning on, on going into uh, pre IRA or is it a situation where, you know, the standalone storage ITC and some of these other things have kind of, created the the headwind the tailwinds i should say where you guys are feeling like you're able to go into these newer markets yeah it's a great question um so we we had we cited our portfolio of 11 gigs largely in 2019 and 2020 and so we've had a view of how storage standalone storage is going to fit in uh in these markets going forward but but that's not to discount the importance of the ira i think it makes the the commercial case uh, clearer sooner in a lot of these places. It makes it makes it easier to compete directly. I mean, forget the environmental benefits of what we're doing, just pure raw capacity, for example, in capacity markets, it makes it much easier for us to, um, you know, to compete with existing generation, which is usually thermal in these markets. So I think you're going to see a broader range of customers. I mean, frankly, we've already seen it, you know, in, in deals that haven't 
been announced yet, but where folks are, you know, adopting storage who are really price driven first and foremost. Uh, and that, that, that is, you know, in no, in no small credit to the, to the IRA and, and being able to bring some of the costs down earlier. We think we would have, you know, gotten there in some cases in a lot of cases uh, eventually, but I think this is, uh, you know, a lot of gas in the tank to get there quicker. Okay, cool. And then the last piece of that, that, you know, you were kind of talking about your three points for the IRA is, is the domestic manufacturing. And I know that um, Jupiter Power announced that partnership with Energy Vault to develop some domestic manufacturing. And that seemed like a pretty significant development for you last year as well. So you want to just tell me a little bit about that process and when we can expect to see um, those sites uh, put together? Yeah. Um, so uh, we began our relationship with with Energy Vault as an, as an EPC supplier, and they, they are an EPC um, uh, partner with us on just getting our you know, standalone lithium-ion project built. Uh, but we saw an opportunity with the IRA to work with them in a more strategic way uh, to get domestic manufacturing off the ground. So I think what we bring to the table is a, is a large pipeline and, you know, capital availability uh, and a, a pretty clear vision for, you know, where we can put batteries when at scale over the next, say, five years. So we're a good anchor tenant for folks who are, who are looking uh, to kind of de-risk that that domestic investment, we've been working with them on you know on siting. Uh, we've done a lot of siting on our own, obviously for energy storage, but there's a little bit of overlap in terms of what what they're looking for. Um, so it's been a great relationship that way. In terms of you know when when the announcement will come and the specifics, uh, what I can say is we're making a lot of progress. Um, so I'm hoping you know kind of later this year uh, the there is a component here of, of treasury guidance that I think we're all looking for in terms of uh, getting some specificity around exactly what domestic, you know, content is going to mean. We're, we've participated with our comments as as has the industry on how we think that might work. But, um, you know, but it is something that we all need uh, to make make sure that we're doing it in a way that, um, you know, will ultimately be successful. Uh you know, I think outside of standalone storage, you've seen a lot of announcements in the transportation world around um, uh, manufacturing in all kinds of great states here in the union. So we're we think the progress is real, and uh, you know we're excited to get it done. So it's really interesting development because um, you know it, it just I'm, I'm curious with the with the domestic manufacturing is it. Is it something where you guys would have been interested in domestic manufacturing anyway, regardless of, of the IRA, just to sort of bring costs, you know, kind of obviously help with the supply chain issues, but, um, you know, sort of uh, bring costs down in the long term? Or is it the situation where that that domestic manufacturing adder um, with, to the ITC is going to be so significant that um, you feel that it's, it's worth it to, you know, really start ramping up the uh, domestic manufacturing capabilities that you guys have? Yeah, it's a good question. I, um, you know, I'm a native of the Midwest, the Rust Belt, you know, so I'm maybe a little biased in answering that in terms of like, I'm always for, you know, what we can do here in the US and particularly around manufacturing. But I think the business case, you know, was not as clear pre IRA. I mean, maybe the closest analogy would have been offshore wind, where, you know, you have seen at a state level, a lot of states saying, listen, we'll you know we're interested in bringing this, but we want the we want the domestic manufacturing piece and the jobs piece. So it existed a little bit 
Um, you know, but we're in a competitive market. And I think uh, what the IRA does for us is sends, you know, a clear price signal that, um, you know, that this type of investment, uh, you know, is going to make sense to do, which is, I think, what the industry needed. Um, you know, there is a cost component to me- domestic manufacturing. There's, you know, that's a that's a reality. So, um, you know, so we're, you know, we're hopeful at the scale of, of of the transition that we're in, you know, meaning electrification, transportation, electrification, and power. That that ultimately um, there's going to be a very robust domestic supply chain. You know, but it'll, but it'll likely take us a little time to get there. Right, right. Well, it'll be something that'll be a, kind of an interesting developing story for us to for us to follow over the next several years. So. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, you know, one of the, you, you talked a little bit already about um, EVs and um, obviously a, a big talking point at that storage conference that we had in San Diego was uh, competition for supply and, and personnel for battery storage um, used in the, the energy sector versus EVs. Um, and I know that that's something that is probably more on, on the, the, you know, manufacturing side. I know that we've seen a lot of headlines with uh you know, companies like Tesla really trying to ramp up these huge uh, domestic manufacturing plants. Um, but is this something that is that an issue that that you guys and your suppliers uh, have grappled with? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it's a um, double edged sword is like a little dramatic because I think it's more symbiotic, our relationship with transportation than, than competitive. But, you know, it's we're not. Um, standalone battery uh, utility scale uh, uh, folks are not driving the market. It is transportation and it is, it is EVs. You know, I mean, I, you may know the statistics. I, I think it's something like nine out of 10 yeah. uh, you know, batteries are going to that market. Uh, but that's, at that, so, you know, one hand creates some competition, you know, if, if Tesla or others are looking for, you know, a big uh, supply agreement, they're going to get the first look on the other hand, if those folks didn't exist, uh, you know, it's hard to see how how our supply chain, um, you know, would scale and, and and cost structure would come down at the at the pace in which it's doing uh, doing so now. So what I would say, um, you know, just as for example, in my seat um, at Jupiter, I've been really encouraged by the new entrants, you know, kind of globally in in the in the in this field. I mean, you've got folks. Who are operating at a huge scale in China that folks that we have never heard of that you and I would have never heard of, uh, for example, that are responding to to the depth of the market. So, I think ultimately it's it's a positive um, on the day to day basis. I think one thing that has helped us as a company is just having um, you know many projects in construction at any one time and a pipeline going forward with some flexibility and diversity to it where we can give a supplier some comfort in terms of our sustained demand over several years. We can move equipment around. That's quite helpful. Uh, and then the last thing I would say, uh, which I'm sure other other readers um, and listeners have experienced, it's not just um, the batteries, it's really, it's really everything from a supply chain perspective right now. I mean, it's obviously transformers, but it's also medium voltage equipment, low voltage equipment, uh, things that none of us would have thought would be a problem to procure have have longer lead lead times now, and that's a broader issue than than say power or transportation. I mean, we're still uh, in a kind of a unique spot globally um, right now. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of interesting dynamics and, and I think you're right. It, it is easy to kind of look and say, well, you know, EVs are hogging the supply. Right. But um, you're right. I, it, it probably, you know, it's hard to say that, that we would be as, as far along in, in terms of uh, you know, storage development as, as we are, if, if they hadn't kind of really uh, accelerated the interest. So um, yeah, it is, it is kind of interesting to think about. I guess another angle is a little bit different, but it's similar where we have a lot of people coming in is, you know, just through the passage of the IRA, and I would imagine that we're going to see, we're seeing a lot more, and you guys are probably seeing it out in the field, a lot more entrance into just storage development, you know, in a similar vein to what Jupiter Power is doing. I don't think, you know, I, I doubt that there's a lot of startups that are just specifically focusing on, on standalone storage, right? Like, like Jupiter Power does, but um, I think a lot of, uh, you know, other firms are, are suddenly interested in, in storage, but and at the same time, you know, I know a lot of like utilities are, are, are suddenly interested in, in storage. So I'm curious about the dynamics there. Like, uh, you, do you view it as a, as a positive that there's, there's a lot of new entrance into, uh, you know, energy storage development, or do you think that's going to end up, you know, creating some bottlenecks? Like, you know, we've seen to yeah. some degree with solar. I mean, I'd love the market to myself. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I think it's it's great to see. I mean, put it the one way. I mean, if if there weren't new entrants, we'd be doing the wrong thing. We'd be on the wrong path, and would have a would have a bad model. So, you know, I think it's it's very exciting. It's what we expected to see. Uh, you know, if you look at the analogies to say wind and solar, you know, whereas wind maybe took, you know close to 20 years uh, from the pioneers to where it was really uh, uh, operating scale and pretty robust ecosystem. Solar took, you know, half that or less, you know, we're seeing storage do it in a few years. I mean, you and I, if we were on this podcast three years ago, we'd probably be talking about some 10 megawatt project, you know, coming online for the first time in ERCOT. And, and uh, you know, so I think the the ecosystem is evolving really quickly. It's quite helpful from a policy perspective. I mean, one thing I think I mentioned in the conference uh, in San Diego that's important is, you know, we need to speak up and make sure that we have open market access uh, in the places that we're developing that, you know, that there are market-based mechanisms out there that, uh, you know, that encourage that are technology agnostic, encourage anyone to, to compete because I think we're going to be competitive uh, in providing grid reliability and capacity and so on, and obviously doing it in a in a clean way. So more is better, I guess, is what I'm saying. Cool, cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, you know, shifting gears a little bit from the IRA, um, I did want to uh, give you a chance to sort of touch on that BlackRock acquisition that you mentioned at the top. Um, I'm curious, you know, I know that that was, that's, you know, it's fairly recent, like you said, it was like right at the end of the year. So um, I know that you guys already kind of had your pipeline in place and, and I'm sure have your, have your long-term plans already, already sorted, but I was curious about just, um, you know, your thoughts on that acquisition, you know, how is it going to, you know, have an impact on, on your pipeline or focus or broaden it in some way, just kind of give us uh, the lowdown on, on what happened there and, and what you're expecting. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, so, I mean, first of all, very happy with, uh, with how that transaction came together and specifically with with BlackRock as our partner here. Um, you know, they're invested in the team and they're invested in our business plan. So in terms of the strategy and the markets and all that, I mean, they're they're really standing behind the vision that we we laid out last year. So that's quite exciting. Um, you know, there are a couple of components of that. I mean, one, they're a great fit with that business model. So we're we're looking at a much more diversified footprint in terms of markets. We're looking at a, at a more contracted posture in terms of uh, uh, how the revenue model is going to come together in a lot of the places that we're operating. 
Um, and it's quite a dramatic uh, capital need. I mean, if you look at the the type of um, the quantum of, of projects and, and uh, diversity of locations here, which is a great fit with the scale of their resources. Um, you know, one thing that clearly stood out is, is their sophistication in terms of, you know, sharing the vision of how storage is going to fit in into these markets, um, you know, which is very helpful uh, in a capital partner. So all in all, you know, we're, we're quite excited, um, you know, early days having, having closed this in December, but, um, you know, couldn't be more pleased. Sounds good. And then, uh, you know, we're coming up on on uh, the end here, but I do want to um, sort of focus down as, as we get ready to leave here and and um, kind of nail down what we can expect from from you guys in 2023. And you already kind of mentioned that you're you're planning on on coming going into California in a, in a fairly big way um, this year. And I'd imagine that, um, you know, based on some of the uh, interconnection agreements we've, we've seen on our end, it looks like, uh, you guys are going to continue to obviously develop a lot of projects in, in ERCOT, but just kind of give us the lay of the land for what you, what we'd expect from uh, you guys in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're, we've locked in, uh, or will be locking in very soon, kind of our, our next projects in construction. So that includes, uh, a uh, wonderful new project, 200 megawatts in Houston in the low pocket, um, which we're quite excited about. It'll be the first phase of several phases um, at that location. Um, we've got a few others in the pipe in, in ERCOT, um, you know, that we think complement the existing portfolio, allows us to really serve uh, the totality of the ERCOT market as a whole and leverage our, our trading and analytics platform. Um, so we're quite excited about, you know, the continued uh, work in ERCOT. Um, and, and I would say we're just as excited about finally building outside of uh, ERCOT and markets that we've been working on, uh, you know, steadily since 2019 and 2020. So we'll be we'll be operational in Kaiso this year. Um, we will be at NTP in, in markets like PGM uh, this year. We will be uh, largely uh, ready to go in places like PGM this year in our first project. So. Um, I think you're going to start hearing more about us in uh, in some of these other markets, and we're working on, you know, pretty unique contracting structures in a lot of them, which is which is quite exciting. So, um, so I would say, you know, at a high level, it's a it's a diversity of footprint, and um, you know, we're uh, we're well on our way uh, uh, right now. Awesome. Well, yeah, it sounds like it's some get you're on the cusp of some exciting things, and, and it is exciting times for our industry and for storage in, in particular. So um, we're excited, uh, and we'll we'll have to keep in touch as as you guys move through those things. Um, and speaking of keeping in touch, um, we actually, uh, you know, mentioned our, our San Diego conference. We are going to be having our our next conference uh, in Houston. That's the uh, U.S. Development and Financing Forum, and we are going to have Jupiter's CFO Bruce Thompson. Uh, to address uh, battery storage development on the first night. So uh, that'll be at the Four Seasons Hotel in Houston. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of other great speakers there. And um, so, you know, for more information on that, uh, those who are listening, just check out the events tab at newprojectmedia.com. But for now, uh, Jack, I really appreciate you you taking the time. It's been great uh, having you on. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch as you guys move through some of these exciting developments in 2023. That's good, Andrew. Thanks so much for having us. All right. Happy to do it. Thanks. Thanks.